0: Hello and welcome to episode 189 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Sheldon. Today on the podcast, we're back from our one-week hiatus in a big way with the first MCU film of the year, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. But first, how are you, Scott?
1: I'm glad that I've heard someone actually said the title of this movie correctly. It's actually been low-key bothering me all week. Yeah. People ever Doctor Strange 2, not the title of the movie. Doctor okay. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Not the name of the movie, guys. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So, Scott, you he's brought some sanders in my
0: week. He's in it. I know. he's not. He's not around it. It's not around him. He's in it. It is not Doctor Strange and also the Multiverse. It is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. It is telling you what happens in the movie. I'm not even
1: exaggerating, Scott. I've not heard a single other person this week say the name of the movie correctly.
0: It's wild well i mean to be fair i wouldn't even re- i would just say dr strange like if i'm just talking about this movie to like a friend or something but like oh i went to see dr strange i would not say i went to see dr strange in the multiverse of Madness. it's like the full title just seems unnecessary i mean sure you have to distinguish it or whatever but like i'm I, in just casual conversation everyone knows what you're talking about when you say I went to see dr strange nobody thinks you went to see the scott derrickson movie from 2016 or whatever in theaters Well, they'd be wrong because you also saw the 2016 Doctor Strange movie from Scott Derrickson, but not in theaters, but But you did see that this past week. I did, yeah. I I promised that I was going to watch it. I think uh, that actually might have been on one of our – was that on one of our countdown episodes that hasn't aired? I don't know. I feel like recently uh, on an episode. It all blends together. One that has been released or perhaps one that has not been released, I said that I would watch it because it was one of, like, two or three MCU films I hadn't seen. So I did it watch it. It is crazy it. to me that, that... that
1: Thor Ragnarok might be, like, the the last MCU movie you have. I mean, I know
0: there's, like, Hulk and other, there's, a, there's a couple of no, I've movies. seen Hulk. It's Thor of the Dark World and Thor Ragnarok. At this point. Oh, no, no. And Guardians too. I haven't seen Guardians 2 either. Okay. Well... Let's
1: let's make for Ragnarok your next one. So that's not left to yeah, be asked.
0: Well, I mean, Doctor Strange, I didn't miss much. I'll be quite honest with having watched, not sure. having watched the first one for all this time because it was not a great movie. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, it, was,
1: it was a movie and it came out in 2016.
0: <laughs> it was a movie. It was part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Scott, as mentioned today, our film is the 28th entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And before I describe it, I do want to note that we'll be talking spoilers from the very beginning because it's pretty impossible not to. So if you have not seen the movie yet, uh, come back after you do see it uh, because you don't want to be spoiled. And I don't even really know what co- constitutes a spoiler anymore. It, just even describing the plot is probably going to contain some things that people consider to be spoilers. But
1: It's the 28th film in a the franchise. There's going to be some spoilers for some movies in the franchise. Yes.
0: Yes. All right. With that out of the way, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, as the title suggests, continues the trend from the most recent MCU film Spider-Man No Way Home of introducing the concept of multiple universes. Directed by legendary horror mastermind Sam Raimi, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness picks up with our titular hero, played again by Benedict Cumberbatch, attending the wedding of his unrequited love, Christine, played by Rachel McAdams. Suddenly, the wedding is interrupted when a giant one-eyed octopus demon begins terrorizing the public and hunting one particular girl named America Chavez, played by newcomer Xochitl Gomez, who, as it turns out, possesses the unique power to travel between universes. Looking to protect her, Strange seeks the help of Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, played by Elizabeth Olsen, but soon discovers a terrifying truth. It is, in fact, Wanda who has sent the demons after America in the hopes that she can harness America's powers to transport to a universe where she's the mom to her manufactured sons, Billy and Tommy. In possession of the sinister Darkhold, which allows her to walk between dreams, Wanda poses a formidable foe for Strange America and Sorcerer Supreme Wong, played by Benedict Wong. But a mysterious book known as Vishanti may hold the key to defeating Scarlet Witch, saving America, and restoring order to the multiverse. Is that enough plot for you? Uh, Scott, does Sam Raimi's return to the world of superhero cinema bring a dose of creative energy to the thus far disappointing Phase 4, or does the Marvel machine strangle Raimi's inner weirdness in favor of a sanitized crowd pleaser?
1: I think it injects more more color and more flavor uh, than not, I guess I'd say overall. I mean, I have no idea what film Scott Derrickson had in mind when he set out and embarked on this project before he departed based on creative differences is my understanding. But I think Sam Raimi was certainly a, a worthy replacement for him. I think this is better than the first Dr. Strange movie. If that's a point of comparison for, for what we would get from Raimi versus from Derrickson, that's probably neither really here nor there, but overall I, I, I really enjoyed this film. Found it pretty funny. Um, Sam Raimi may be known for his uh, B movie sensibilities in the heart, yeah. yeah, campiness. Uh, definitely there was def- definitely some camp um, in-, in this film for sure. It, it did feel like I- one of the things I was concerned about going into the film was whether Sam Raimi's style would sort of meet in the middle with Michael Waldron's script. You know, Michael Waldron being. I guess sort of jumping onto the scene last year when he wrote and show ran the Loki, or at least the first season of the Loki Marvel MCU show on Disney Plus. Um, you know, big multiverse sort of sort of almost the first step into the multiverse, I guess, for the MCU, if you were to include it. And I was curious to see if that that sort of like that style of show would translate into. Sam Raimi. And and I think that it did like there there was certainly a lot of elements about the Loki television show be- especially between Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson in that show, which I think allowed for more of that humor and more of that sort of there wasn't so much campiness in that show as as it was, I guess maybe maybe just more down the middle comedy and and buddy comedy like but I think that it showed, like he was able to Waldron was able to use that and, and translate that into something that that Sam Raimi could really make his own. Um, so as much as you have sort of, I don't want to call it buttoned up, but as much as you have sort of like the Marvel formula script or whatever, I think it was able to be tweaked in a way, or at least Waldron and Raimi found a partnership in such a way that was able to, that was approved by Feige at all, all the producers, all the 10 minute list of producers on this film, on every Marvel film that was able to not completely restrict Sam Raimi from, from adding the flair that I think he's, you know, better known for in, in other you know, in other pastures. I mean, obviously Spider-Man was huge, but you know, in his horror movies as well. So I think overall it was, it was great. And, and Scott, I, I saw you shaking your head when I said this movie was funny. I just think some of the stuff that everyone's like mad about about this movie is just hilarious. Like there's just, Oh so yeah. Stuff in the middle of this movie that I would
0: just, it was in stitches about and everyone was a uh, big mad about it afterwards. Well, because it's yeah. also Sam right. Ra- like, I, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but the way I see it, it's almost Sam Raimi trolling, like of almost sure. being, forced, being forced down a particular path by Marvel, right? Like the, this is the one area of the movie where you can most clearly see like Marvel's like, okay, we're going to take over now and you got to do, you know, this needs to be in the movie basically yeah. just to set up the future. And Sam Raimi's like, kind of like, okay, well, if you're going to put this in the movie, then I'm going to do what I want with it, which is, I mean, we're talking spoilers, but yeah, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to snap Professor X's neck, you know. I mean, uh, gonna I, kill I just tackled. We're going to kill brutally. Captain Carter yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just
1: I just thought it was it was so funny. It was so funny that they brought all these like heavy hitters in and they're not only are they dead in like 10 minutes, but just hilarious deaths. Yeah, in my opinion. You <laughs> I mean, you have Professor X coming in trying to like save save Wanda from herself, like help her out of this, you know, th- this 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 you know universe is Wanda out from the mind control of the dark hold from Wanda and you know, the prime universe and just goes
0: up behind him and snaps his neck. I mean,
1: could not have been a funnier way to kill professor
0: X. I loved captain Carter's death too, with the shield. Like, Oh yeah, I, I, it was a classic Sam Raimi moment of like after the shield like gores her, basically, and there's yeah. that great just like shot of like for like one or two seconds of like the sh- shield with the blood dripping from it as it's like embedded in a rock or whatever. I was yeah. like, that's such a Sam Raimi shot. It was so great.
1: Yeah, and and there and there was like other Sam Raimi type shots. I think totally th- throughout the film. There a lot
0: of Dutch angles and
1: yeah, yeah, and just like weird campiness in. Cheesiness, and I mean, that was part of the script too, so I don't think that's entirely Sam Raimi. But, like, I, I think that he read certain things in this movie, it was like, Yeah, no, we're vibing on this one. Uh, that definitely no no notes for this is, is how I felt like some of those conversations probably went for some of the dialogue. Um, but I just i had a good time watching this movie, it was a refreshing 126 minutes, 10 of which were probably commercials or not commercials, geez. Um, 10 uh, credits, but you know, in between the the two scenes in the middle of the credits. And uh, it was a good time. Like it, it didn't take itself too seriously. You know, I not that I talked to a bunch of other Marvel fans, but a Marvel fan of this parish commented on how uh, he basically he didn't feel like it took it seriously enough. Some of the fan servicey stuff in the middle of the movie. Um,
0: Yeah, and that's what was good about it.
1: (laughs) So funny to me. I mean, I I I I understand. I kind of understand the complaints, but I just thought it was it was a funny time. Um, and the the plot is like whatever like the multiversal thing i just think it's i mean the last act i i think is better than the average marvel movie i mean we're talking spoiler shows it doesn't matter hilarious that that strange is basically a zombie at the end of this movie i
0: mean that was just so it was awesome
1: i mean that was awesome
0: um and he has like these deep like demons that he's you know yeah using his weapon yeah i mean it was he really did go full sam raimi in the end which was awesome
1: yeah, so uh, overall, I just I think that that worked really well. I think the the plot moved along. Like, I mean, before we knew the runtime of this movie, I was so afraid this was just going to be one of those like massive, sort of like epic films. Because I, I feel like Marvel hypes them up, like hypes the big movies. I think this was one of them. No way home was another one. Like they they hype those that like sort of like they aren't Avengers movies, but like when there's big plot points of multiple, you know, there's going to be together. Yeah, yeah like and so those cool. movies are generally really long. But this one wasn't, and I thought that was really refreshing. Um, I didn't have to worry too much. And I thought it, it moved well, too. Even even within that two-hour time frame, I thought that it was well-paced. So overall, it worked really well for me. thought it was – I was a little bit underwhelmed by the way in which the multiverse is used in this movie. But I'm continuing – but the fact that – but I think it's almost a good thing that I was underwhelmed by that. Because my biggest fear, movie to movie, is that they're just going to, like, crack this, this multiverse thing wide open and just completely lose track of everything in the process. And I think that the, the, it feels like they keep pitching these movies as going to be like that. And then they're not ultimately like that when you go see them in a theater. So the fact that that's almost like a disappointment is almost a positive. That's like a weird thing to say. I don't know, but it feels like they haven't lost control of like the narrative or storytelling yet. And I just feel like at some point they're going to, right? Like it just feels like they're going to get it in over their head at some point on some of this stuff. And the fact that they have, you know, so far at least, managed to avoid doing that. You know, I, I I think that's a good thing because at some point, it just you just shrug, right? Like, what's even happening anymore? You don't even know. So, not there yet, which is good. I thought Ben. I still think Benedict Cumberbatch is like great. I mean, I I know I, I feel like that there's, there's like a mixed reception on this. He's just like a great actor. He's just like really good in this role. I think he's really good in almost everything he does. Elizabeth Olsen is continuing to be really, I think, a really strong performance. I did see some some discourse online about like people just being tired of Wanda and her shtick. I kind of get that. It seems like she's going away. This character seems to be on the shelf for a bit. And
0: And Elizabeth Olsen has made some like kind of snarky comments about Marvel and stuff like in the press for this uh, movie. So I wonder if that is another signal that maybe she's finally freed from the clamps of, um, you know, the PR people or whatever, he probably, yeah, a tight ship on them over there,
1: maybe. I mean, at the same time, I've also, I also feel like the last, like, the last couple days since the movie, released, she's been like also lashing out at like people saying that that the performance she has, really yeah, good. no, that is true. So, I almost see it, but yeah, but I mean, that's a good point, too. It's interesting. I think she's good. I think that, I think that, that this Wanda arc feels like really overwrought because. You know the miniseries, the Wandavision miniseries. Like this is like her plot is a direct, is a direct continuation of what happened. Well, last year. Okay, in the I want,
0: I want, I want to bring that up because I've heard some people saying that it doesn't feel like it's a direct continuation. That it feels like it's not cohesive from Wandavision, yeah, where I, the I did, character I'm picks that, up yeah. in this movie, is not where you find her at the end of Wandavision.
1: Yeah, I, I have also heard that, um, and people saying Sam Raimi not watching Wandavision every episode of WandaVision not going to change anything like Ching. Guys, <laughs> it doesn't matter how many episodes of WandaVision Sam Raimi watched. Michael Waldron wrote the script of the movie. <laughs>
0: like, yeah.
1: you, you don't think that Marvel like Kevin Feige is like the ultimate micromanager on these projects. Like he's literally on set most of the days is my understanding. The, it, San, like whether Sam Raimi watched WandaVision or not has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not this feels like a continuation. Yeah. If people don't feel like it's a continuation, fine. That's like not to go like the dude on everyone. Like, that's like your opinion. Totally fine. I, I can even hear, under, like, hear that argument. Whatever. But I think the truth is, is that whether you think it's a proper continuation of like where the character is at the end of WandaVision or not, like this plot, like this arc is is picking up basically right where that leaves off in terms of Wanda's story. And I think that it feels overwrought because you have like, you know, a four hour miniseries and now a two hour movie. And it's this one arc about her dealing with the loss of vision and like wanting to be wanting to have a family. And, you know, I, I think that, that there might be fair criticisms on, on the continuity of her personality, which I think is the main The complaint is that like, she's not this like horrible, he, like person at the end of WandaVision that she kind of she is. has the
0: dark hold. That is why I mean that exactly. Person. And
1: yeah. you see that in the credit scene of WandaVision at the end of WandaVision, she's reading the dark hold that she got from, um, yeah. You know, I'm forgetting the character's name, but Catherine uh, Han's character in in the show.
0: Agatha, yeah.
1: Agatha, yeah, Agatha. Um so for me like I don't know, the con- the the continuity nerds stand down. Stand yeah, down. Yeah, and
0: one. and the other thing on on the same topic, I've also seen people saying that you need to have like do I, I don't want to have to have watched, you know, all these television shows basically to understand the movies now. Well, number 1 like, unfortunately, that's probably going to happen because these things are part of the MCU. They've made that very clear from the very, from the beginning that they're going to be connected to the movies.
1: That said, two, WandaVision feels like the only one you had to have seen
0: for any film so far. Like for this movie, for this movie, yeah. For this I movie, mean, yeah. Um, I, I'm 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 t- thinking more about the future, but yeah. I will say, like, I watched WandaVision. It's the only one I've actually watched. Um, I couldn't, I I barely remember anything about it. Um. I so I don't even know that I could say whether it was a good continuation or not uh, of the character, but I also don't think that I was at a loss for having not really remembered it. Like, I think it's pretty easy to figure out what is going on, and that's on, what Marvel right? like, wants.
1: I mean, that's what they want ultimately, right? They want you to like, I mean, they want you to go watch WandaVision, she but they wants don't want to you to be feel with, like you have to have watched it to go see
0: their movies. She wants to be with her kids, but her kids are not real, she has created them like there's that's really all there is to it like there's and sure if you watch WandaVision you understand how she like came to create the kids and this like idyllic lifestyle for herself in Westview and all that crap but like you can also understand her motivation I think just from watching the movie like I don't I don't think you have to and obviously if you watch the other movies you know about Vision dying and everything that happened there so it's like
1: well and they even tell you in this movie that that vision died in case you forgot yeah, yeah. <laughs> um when she talks so about how I, he had to like rupture a hole in his head or whatever
0: so i didn't have a huge problem with any of that stuff but i did want to talk about it because i think it is like it has been some of the narrative from people who are more critical of the movie um, is that particularly with the wanda arc like they they're they're either like this doesn't if, if they watch WandaVision, it's like this doesn't continue, this doesn't feel cohesive, or I haven't watched WandaVision and I feel like I needed to. Um, yeah. It, it, I understand people might saying like, oh, it feels like a big jump. But again,
1: like she has this sort of you know insidious force uh in the dark hold, like taking over her mind essentially. Um I think we've talked enough about whether the the Marvel nerds are satisfied with Wanda's Arc or not. Yeah. Um anyway, Scott. Yeah. Well, one last thing before I jump over to you. Sorry, I do want to say Sochi Gomez. I thought that she she was a bit hit and miss for me. I thought she was good at times. I was impressed at certain parts of it. But in other other moments, it felt like this is a 15-year-old acting in a movie. That she's fine. That's what it like.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't get much from that character. Like, it just seemed like kind of a standard teenage sidekick type, you know, prodigy or sure. whatever. It, I mean, they're they're setting her up, I'm sure, to be in a lot of future stuff and fine. But like, Maybe. there was nothing about the performance or the character that like got me excited to be like, oh yeah, I want to see her in more stuff.
1: I mean, that's the thing. So I just don't. I wasn't that wowed by the performance. I think that. Yeah. I mean, it's the first thing she's ever been in. I think she has some you know, some development in her in terms of her acting chops to still to still go through.
0: Yeah. Um, Overall, Scott, um, you know, it's no secret that I am, have not been particularly high on the MCU recently. Um, I think most things since Endgame have felt pretty perfunctory to me, most of the stuff that they put out. Again, I've only watched WandaVision. I haven't watched any of the other shows because I'm just not that interested in watching them. Just not that interested in general about what was going on in the mcu um i i think you know again it was never going to happen but like endgame was such a high high that they were always faced with such an with an almost impossible task of trying to like build something new after that and i think we've seen the product of that with movies like black widow and eternals and just being kind of messy very messy but um you know I was excited as much as I could be for an MCU movie with Sam Raimi coming back. Cause it's also no secret that, you know, the first two Spider-Man movies are like my two and three favorite comic book movies probably um, after the dark Knight. So um, I, I love those movies. I love what Sam Raimi brought to them. Like it's, it's not, you know, just the performances and the character of Spider-Man or whatever. Like I love Sam Raimi's take on Spider-Man. Um, and so I was really excited to see what he could do and you know also would marvel let him do what he wanted to do and i think they did which i'm you know very pleased about particularly the third act maybe it takes a little bit to get there but even like early on when um very early on like at the the wedding or whatever when the octopus thing shows up and dr strange like is like all right here we go and he like You know, pulls his cape in and like jumps down from the the ledge or whatever. Like that was straight out of Spider Man. I was like, this is this is great. And like he goes down to the street to fight, like street level action. It feels like we just haven't seen that in MCU movies. Like it's kind of crazy. It's why I like kind of like the the train or the subway bus or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Fight sequence Mm -hmm. in Shang Chi. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, it feels like we are in an actual living, breathing world. Um, it's not just some, you know, CGI splattered soundstage or whatever. Like it it, you know, is is a um, you know, living, breathing world. And so I loved seeing that. Like it it really did. Like I, I was smiled through that whole scene because again, just as soon as he like grabs the cape and jumps down or whatever, and all the people are like, whoa, it was like it reminded me so much of, of Spider-Man, of Raimi Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um so that was great from the very beginning. And then yeah, once he gets into the horror stuff, um, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised how far they let him take it with the skeletons. And, um, you know, there's been some discourse about, like, the violence and whatever. Like, people, you know, getting, getting their panties in a bunch about it um, are silly. But it is more violent, no doubt, than the average MCU movie. Like, you know, there's – I already mentioned, like, Peggy Carter. Like, you actually see blood, right? Like, I feel like you don't even – You don't really do that very much even in other MCU films. I mean, they're PG-13. This is PG-13. But, like, it does feel like they let it it in, you know, to complement the horror stuff, they let things be a little bit more violent, which they need to be if you're going to do like.
1: Yeah. And Black Bolt. I think the Black Bolt death was probably the most Mm -hmm. graphic thing in the movie for me, even more so than the blood.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even the octopus thing, which I mentioned, or whatever, like getting his eye ripped out, or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. which was, I mean, again, that was wonderful, like campy type, sure, yeah, you know, B horror stuff, which was really fun. Um, so all the little Raimi touches, and just like vi- it's just so much more visually interesting. I mean, I mentioned that that scene again, the the fight scene there in the street, like very clear, easy to discern action, takes place during the daytime, like I. I thought that that was great, but even, you know, later when we get into the traditional Marvel color palette, I think just the way he frames things keeps keeps it interesting, keeps it visually engaging. Like, again, I, you know, just some of those shots, like the, the shield, like I mentioned, that one stuck out to me. Remind me a little bit of like the, uh, in Spider-Man 2, like um, the shot of Rosie, of um, Doc Ock's wife, like as the glass is like the shard of glass is spinning towards her or whatever and is about to like kill her like the shot of her like wide-eyed as that shard of glass is coming towards her is like yeah awesome um and i feel like there's a few moments like that in this movie um so i i had a fun time like i think it is uh, maybe sentimentally i enjoyed um no way home a little bit more just from being a spider-man fan but i if you had to ask me what the best mcu film is since endgame i think i'd go with this one just because i think sam raimi's able to bring so much craft to this movie and something different than what we have been seeing and that was it was the breath of fresh air kind of that i wanted it's definitely not a perfect movie i don't like the humor still um you know other than some of the like Almost meta type stuff like you're talking about with killing, you know, the Illuminati members and all that. But, um, you know, the, the standard Marvel humor, it feels I did feel like that was still part of this movie. And it, like this, oh, the scene, the conversation that they have early about Spider-Man or whatever in the coffee shop or whatever, like my eyes were rolling all the way back into my head. Like, you're not a fa- you're not a with, fan of that ongoing bit that they have across movies. No, no. With America, Chavez be like. Spider-Man so what he's like a spider or no shut up like this is so dumb um but anyway Go and i also th- i also <laughs> thought that the plot had some pretty big like MacGuffin-y convenience type things in it like the book. The book of Vashanti. Yeah. Basically being like, they're like, what is, well, what does the book of Vashanti do? It does whatever the sorcerer wants it to do. <laughs> basically, I'm like. Whatever well, the sorcerer needs. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you need. So um basically the only way to stop, you know, Scarlet Witch.
1: It's it's just is, like hilarious. You know. It's, it's hilariously lazy in some ways. Um, Like, like the, the laziest MacGuffin be like, it's not even like, oh, like this. I don't know, like this weapon will or like it was in, in Star Wars or whatever, like this, this key will lead you to whatever the planet that Palpatine yeah. was on or whatever in, the episode, or in episode nine. Yeah. Uh, no, it's like <laughs> this item will just do whatever you need.
0: <laughs> like, it's fine. We're exactly. not even going to label what that thing is. It's just, it's just going to be whatever. You and need. like America Chavez, it's like, well, how do you jump from multiverse to multiverse? I don't know. It's just whenever I get scared. Um <laughs> That was like That I kind of get okay (laughs) like almost like giving us a reason to insert some Sam Raimi horror stuff in there just so we can trigger that but that
1: feels very I don't know know. that feels very normal though like that feels very X-Men like mutant doesn't know how to use her powers kind of thing That, that didn't seem that crazy to me and the other thing
0: too and I guess if I'm understanding correctly what happened or whatever like the dark hold gets like destroyed at one point right but then Wong is like oh wait there's a copy like right like there's another one that we can go Isn't that what happens?
1: Yeah. Well, so the book gets destroyed, but the book was just a transcription of like the glyphs on the wall of of the temple that they ended up at at the end of the movie. So So it's like there's not another book, but it's like the source of the book is still.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I understand. Um, But anyways, just annoying stuff like that. Like, I don't really care about the plot anyway. Again, people going off about Wanda not being cohesive or whatever. I don't care like anymore. I, I have accepted that I am not going to be able to keep up with the MCU. And that I don't care enough to keep up with the TV shows in, in particular. So when I come to watch this, I just want to see a fun movie. Like, I want to have a good time for two hours knowing that I will probably not – this is not probably going to be something that I'm going to rewatch. I just want to, like, enjoy the disposable yeah. experience. Yeah. And I did that with this movie probably maybe more than I have with any MCU movie again since – endgame which again is just kind of a whole totally different thing that is one that i will rewatch, and which i do consider to be more than obviously just the standard disposable experience so i mean i got what i wanted from this movie for the most part and people who are hating on it are you know lamos in my opinion
1: <laughs> damn i don't think they'll be able to to sleep now that you're just distant like that
0: yeah, I know. I'm not being serious about it. Obviously, no, I your know, opinion I know. is your opinion, but I don't know. This is just it, this. It feels it feels d- different in the way that I wanted it. People, it, it just
1: feels people are more mad about this movie than like Black Widow, which right, which
0: is just like, such a waste of time.
1: Like, I mean, I thought Black Widow was fine. It was fine. Like it was a fine movie, but like this was. I yeah. mean, this is way more entertaining than that.
0: I don't know. I just I I want the response to be like effusive for this, so that they continue to let you know, they continue to take chances with people like Sam Raimi, and sure. also, you know, let them actually do what they want to do, because yeah. you know, I want the I want the response to be, and, and it is to you know, it definitely is in some circles, like. I appreciated the Sam Raimi-ness of this, not just I thought this was a good MCU movie or whatever, but like, yeah, no, I think Sam there is Raiminess it's not
1: everyone show. hating on the film for sure. I think there's a I think there's yeah, a decent yeah. divide of 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 that, you know, of the different of the different cohorts of people, shall we say? I mean, Scott, I also feel like I also do like kind of feel like Marvel, you know, Marvel Studios lets directors do what they want to do. i I do think that like maybe Chloe Zhao is just like this horrible mismatch. Of, like, she should not have franchise. been making a superhero movie.
0: Like I, I'm sorry, like I just that's just not what they they put. But she her wanted probably... to do it.
1: I mean, I don't know. Like she wanted to do I, it. No, yeah,
0: I, I I know she did. But like, and they probably gave her like the best property suited to her style. It just didn't work. Like I just don't think that like her yeah. she is suited to a superhero movie or not the type that Marvel is wanting to make in the end. Yeah. But but like yeah, look at what I, they I mean, do with I Taika know... Waititi. I mean, like, I was gonna say Taika. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Ryan as, Kubler, as skeptical
1: as I have that. been recently of Taika, um, which is a completely separate, you know, conversation topic, and we'll see if, you know, I, my my opinion of him is revitalized this summer with Thor 11 Thunder, but like, I don't know, it's still, it's still crazy to me that you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, because I feel like everything that you say about what you like about certain Marvel movies like that, it is in that movie. Like, it is yeah. bright. It is colorful. It's a director getting to do, like, crazy shit that he wants to do and just, like, have a good time. Half the movie is, like, ad-libbed, apparently, um, in terms of, like, dialogue between characters. Half is an exaggeration, but I it's just...
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess I just think... And I, I can't really speak because I haven't seen... Yeah. Regular. I guess I think of Sam Raimi as more envelope-pushing, as a little bit edgier than t- somebody like Taika Waititi. And so yeah. I in see In different it ways, probably. as As yeah. more Marvel coloring outside the lines than like Taika Waititi yes somebody who has his own specific vision for sure but also maybe not somebody who's going to rock the boat or like turn off a wide audience of people like Sam Raimi has the potential like I mean I have seen now granted this is like moms and stuff but I again I have seen some people who are like this movie was terrible like it was too scary and dark or whatever for the MCU and whatnot and I think no, but is you're having a different conversation game.
1: there. you're talking about like should Marvel make anything horror adjacent versus like should they let directors do what they want to do that just feels like a separate conversation. Yeah,
0: I, I, I guess. But I, what I'm saying is, when they they let a director like Sam Raimi do what he wants to do, knowing that it has a high likelihood of alienating certain groups of people. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah. again, I again I can't speak because I haven't seen Ragnarok, but I don't know that Taika Waititi style has the same alienating quality to it. At least, not when applied to a Thor movie.
1: I guess I guess I'm like, why does alienating like why? Why? Why should alienating be the factor? I mean, we should just want directors. I'm not saying I'm not saying
0: that that's like the standard, which makes it good. But I'm saying like, they need to be they need they need to be okay with taking risks and pushing the envelope and doing things that are not necessarily going to appeal to like every single person who is going to see the movie. I feel like, yeah, I mean, that's literally Eternals.
1: and it's just a the miss. edges
0: have just been sanded. off. The edges have just been sanded off. Yeah, I know it is. But yeah. like, again, they should that that was just that was a whole different thing. Like it was just is it it was is it a different thing? It, it was I... bad for it, it was bad just because I, I don't think the. again, I don't think the director really suited the. Sure.
1: But the but in terms of stuff. like letting a director do something that might like push the envelope in terms of like a thematic way that might alienate people, not necessarily from like a genre perspective, but like. I don't know. Like the movie didn't come out very good, um, and she was trying to do. I mean, Chloe Zhao was trying to do something very particular with the movie, and it didn't really work.
0: I, I yeah, I guess. Again, if if we go back to my review of the movie, not that I even remember it that much, but <laughs> I think I did kind of feel like that was still an example of the Marvel. It felt. It just felt like it still felt like an MCU movie to me in the end. It didn't feel like a Chloe Zhao movie in the way that this feels like a Sam Raimi movie, or like I imagine Ragnarok feels like a Taika movie.
1: Interesting. I mean, I haven't seen Taika's Ty- other, other movies besides Jojo Rabbits, but I mean, it feels like a Taika movie for sure. I mean, this still felt like a Marvel movie to me, just with like Sam L- Raimi flourishes. And the truth is, like, I guess I kind of felt like Eternals was a Marvel movie with Chloe Shelf. Like, there's so much in- internalness and not to get into a review of of Eternals again. But like, I don't know, like the Please whole thing no. with the uh, with the main character in that movie, whose name I cannot remember. Like, there's so it's so there's something so like eternal, like internal about about that, about that, like character um i'm is it constance it wasn't constance who was it who, jimmy who, chan jimmy chan nice good job scott and i'll let i'll leave it ambiguous as who i was saying good job to there <laughs> um but like like that that, that just feels like very close it, it felt i mean that's where i feel like i see like the sort of like nomad land rider or whatever um characterized and like it doesn't work in the film because it is in the context of this marvel universe but like you see I think you see parts of that. It's just that it just doesn't work. That's the problem, and and you know, it sucks when like a a director you really like, whose movies you really like, like makes a bad film. <laughs> like
0: I don't know, it sucks. Yeah, I don't blame her too much for it, but anyway, I, I don't want to rewatch that. You 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 may be right, uh, but I don't. I, it would probably take me to rewatching the film, and that's not something that I ever want or plan to do. So um, yeah. Anyway, as far as this film goes, yeah, so <laughs> you, you already mentioned you. your your thoughts on Benedict Cumberbatch and sure. you know the cast a little bit. Yeah, I'll be honest. He's not, he was not one of my favorite members of the cast. Um, okay. Like I just, I feel a problem with it in a lot of Marvel movies. Maybe again, that sometimes the protagonist ends up being one of the least interesting characters. Like, I hate to say it, but I felt it about black Panther when that movie was released. I felt like a lot of the supporting cast was more interesting to me than T'Challa was. I definitely felt, I mean, Again, I don't really care about any of the characters in Eternals, but like Richard Madden and Gemma Chan or whatever, like they were boring as dishwater. At least they tried something with some of the other supporting characters. And, um, you know, Captain America never much you know, was, was totally my thing either. But yeah, I, I, in short, I feel like it's an issue. I mean, a black widow, let's say, I mean, I like the character of black widow, but I liked her more when she was in a supporting role, right? Like in her own standalone, well, you're just movie. A sexist,
1: Scott. Congratulations. She
0: got, no, I was going to say she got acted off <laughs> the screen good. by Florence Pugh. Um, so you're right.
1: They should cast less good actors in the movie.
0: <laughs> they should. Like but anyway, weeks. he's good in the role. But like yeah. I feel like I've enjoyed him more in like the Avengers movies when he just kind of like pops up and does his thing. Like sure. I don't know, he was a little flat for me. Um, okay, throughout some of the movie, but but I do feel like what I will say, what I will give you some credit for, I do think that the romance stuff with him and Christine almost worked. Like, <laughs> and again, I think that's Sam Raimi. Yeah knowing what to do with this, because the whole dynamic of that is like I, you know, I love you, I want to be with you, but I can't because of my this other thing that I am. I'm a sorcerer and, you know, I have this other responsibility or whatever, which is exactly what is running through the all Spider-Man. of the Spider-Man yeah. trilogy. Um, so I feel like he, he knows exactly how to navigate that. And I'm not going to say it has the same resonance as like the Peter and, and MJ stuff does in Spider-Man. But like I thought that the stuff towards the end, like their final conversations and everything were good. Like I, I thought they rounded off the, the theme, like the themes pretty well. Um, so, you know, the, the fact that they couldn't really be together in any universe, I thought that was a, uh, you know, kind of a nice. Yeah. I thought,
1: nice I thought, I thought that romance around. angle to that point, to your exact point, I thought that they used the multiverse element of the film quite well when exploring that, yeah. that dimension of, of strange and, and Christine, it does really feel like, so it it does kind of feel like, you know, at the start of the film, when he's at the wedding, like you weren't really quite sure where it was going to go in the movie. And, and I do think that they took advantage of the multiverse to, to flesh out basically using this like alternative universe, Christine to like actually give you some, some more interiority on strange himself. And rather than it just being like him monologuing or like you hearing his thoughts or whatever, like you get this kind con- of, you get this conversation almost, so that was nice
0: yeah um and rachel mcadams is doing a solid job as she always is um sure you know i i don't think it's the greatest character in the world certainly but um you know she she does a she, you know solid and reliable performance but i do think elizabeth olsen is probably the standout of the cast for me like pretty clearly um uh, you know, I found the arc very satisfying. I, I mean, Some people obviously didn't, but um, I like the humanity of the character and that, you know, it's not a Thanos-like. So, I mean, obviously, there's a little bit of stuff with Thanos and, like, Gamora and all that. But, like, Thanos is like, I want to, you know, destroy the world and basically everything. But, like, I like that her motivation is just, I want to have children. Like, I want to be with my children. Um, and I will do whatever it takes to do that but like she doesn't care about world domination or anything like that like her motivation is very grounded to some degree so um i liked that i mean i liked the the third act like you said the like bringing her into that bringing the scarlet witch version of her into that other earth and seeing the you know reaction and everything and the comparison sort of of her to the the M- Wanda who's the mom and then just kind of like the final epiphany of you know I'm not going to be with them but they're going to be better off because they're with a version of me who is going to love them and take care of them or whatever like yeah that sort of realization the way that she learns to let go I thought was I mean that's it's affecting like uh, I, you know I'm not going to say that I was like super emotional, but like I can reckon. I was sitting there, and I in in recognition that it was a solid conclusion to that emotional arc.
1: Yeah, and it's not that it's particularly nuanced, which I think is the point that you're talking about. It's not. It's not like it's so emotionally overwhelming because it is almost a very basic sort of motivation. But it's also a motivation that has been true of Wanda since Age of Ultron. Like her arc has always been about family. You know, losing her brother in Age of Ultron to sort of, you know, falling into this relationship with Vision to having Vision, like losing Vision in Infinity War and not being able to bring him back, obviously, in Endgame because he wasn't part of the snap. And then WandaVision, like creating a world which, you know, an alternative reality where Vision is alive and she and they have children together to the sobering, like sort of like the end of WandaVision sobering that reality. Into Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, realizing that like you know what's important is that there's other universes where things weren't like this. Um, you know, the, her kids in universes where they are real are happy and they have her. So I, I think that as maybe as not as nuanced or as powerful of a motivation, like I know that's another example where I see a lot of consistency in the storyline for Wanda. Um, like it's always been about family for her. In spite of you know the Dude. superhero of it all, it's family. <laughs> this just an <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen cast in fast and fast <laughs> then um, drops yeah. out of the MCU
0: and yeah. is now in, in the Fast movies. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. She's replacing Brie Larson. She's joined the family. Um, anyway, yeah, I, that's why I, I I I totally hear you on the arc part with with Wanda there, and you know I think the performance is 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 solid from her in the film.
0: Yeah, no, I, I thought you know she was excellent and you know there's often a villain problem in these movies it's it's it doesn't even necessarily feel right to call her a villain or whatever because obviously she's they've had the ability to establish her character again over several movies over an entire tv series so like i think they the obviously have... yeah no definitely but like they they're at an advantage i guess is sure. uh, is what i'm saying as opposed to like you know a movie like Iron Man or something which has to give us Obadiah Stane yeah. in the course of one Tony time. Yeah uh God yeah. bless Jeff Bridges but he, he wasted his MCU card in the first movie <laughs> playing well, I mean, Obadiah Stane
1: Jimmy Chan chose you. you can you can always come back for more
0: Yeah I guess that's true but um someday the in some multiverse we're going to get yeah. the return of Obadiah Stane
1: You know uh, it man absolutely let it rip
0: better him than mickey rourke's character from that's (laughs) all i will say that's that is an all-time low for the mcu that that character i don't know you haven't seen Malekith. what is that is that Thor the the dark world yeah okay yeah well the legend alan taylor never disappoints so i don't know what could possibly be bad about it. But Scott, I think before we conclude, I think it's worth talking a little bit more about the Illuminati just because it is... Why not? You know, the element that is probably going to have the most far-reaching effect and the most clear, like, fan service... Sure. ...moment here. Yeah. Um, so basically, there's this, like, secret society, which I guess is in the comics, of um, heroes who... Uh, you know appear at one point in the movie that uh, I be- I believe they I forget exactly what leads him there but it's, he's looking for the book I think is what the what is going on in the plot and well uh, no he gets he gets captured by Morda right the, right right right, right right and then we we learn some exposition about like the other strange from that earth and yeah um how he came to die and whatnot. but anyway um but the characters we have Mordo, as you, as you mentioned, which is Chiwetel Ejiofor from who was in the first Doctor Strange. Um, we have Black Bolt, who's played by Anson Mount, which was apparently he was apparently in the TV series Inhumans or whatever, which yeah. I don't think made it very long. But it was a broadcast um, show, I think, for a season or two. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, Captain Carter, which is Haley Atwell, um, of course, returning as Peggy Carter. She had her own TV show. Um she's Lynch she's more as,
1: she's more returning from what if though that character was introduced in what if okay
0: Lashawna Lynch as Captain Marvel, of course, we saw her introduced in Captain Marvel um and her daughter, right, was in WandaVision. But yeah. different um, different superhero though. Yeah, right, yeah, of course. Um and then We have uh, John Krasinski making his debut as Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four and Patrick Stewart returning as Professor Charles Xavier. He's the one which I don't know if this necessarily means that he's going to stick around. I mean, he's pretty old at this point. I don't don't think he's going to stick around. I don't think so either. Uh, but you know, people have been wondering because it's like the the couple things that haven't really been announced. Like, what are they going to do with the Fantastic Four? What are they going to do with X Men? Yeah. Um, now that you know we got rid of the Fox stuff with with X Men, like, what is um, next for for the X Men franchise? I don't think that this really answered that question, but no. maybe as far as Fantastic Four, we do have some insight, even though John Krasinski gets iced here. Like, he is. You know, they're, presumably they're not just bringing him into the movie for the cameo. Uh, presumably, this is setting up yeah. a future Fantastic Four movie. I mean, we already know that there is going to be one because John Watts has dropped out of directing it. Um, yep. And uh, so we now apparently have our Reed Richards. Um, Scott, what do you think about this? What do you think about the whole Illuminati stuff and, in particular, Krasinski as Reed Richards? Since it seems like that will be some you know the thing which probably has the most um resonance in the future of the mcu
1: yeah i i like i said sort of when i was talking about my general impressions i thought the whole illuminati sequence was hilarious not that not that not because of the fan service but because of what they did you know after serving the fans uh i guess i don't know if people actually wanted it or not i thought the, if if i did point to one i just think it is weird (laughs) that Patrick Stewart came back for this movie. I mean, especially just to get his neck snapped. But I mean, right on, right on, man, that was hilarious.
0: Um, I mean, I but, love seeing him again as Professor. Like, that's one of my favorite character, you know, superhero sure. movie characters, and at, particularly his portrayal of it. Like,
1: yeah, I, I do think that he got such a nice send off, and in, in Logan, that you know, I think it begs the question: was it really necessary for him to come back after after that particular role in that particular film? No In one's that ever way. really dead anymore. Uh, I mean, true. But uh, it was funny. I got a good kick out of it. And uh, it's... Hey, look, Scott, if you really enjoy watching Patrick Stewart, just watch Picard. You can watch uh, watch some Star Trek.
0: Um. Yeah, no. I'm um, <laughs> not going to do that. I have seen three of the Star Trek next-gen movies. And uh, no thanks. No thanks, not, not, not for, for you. me.
1: Okay. But... Well, nice try. Uh, but yeah, Reed Richards. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we both joked after the movie to each other that it, it, it didn't really seem like... Uh, John Krasinski was happy to be on set for however long he had to be on set.
0: Um, Unbelievable how help? bored and flat his delivery of every single line is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I kind of feel like he must have been directed that way. Like, yeah, sorry, I, I'm, I'm throwing this one at Sam. Um,
0: no, that's that's fine. I mean, he doesn't. I Sam really doesn't give a Crap about the fan, some fantastic board, uh, four movie five years from now. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah, I just like what like I don't really understand what the point was, and in, in such a like stoic delivery. I mean, like not even like not even stoic in like the I'm gonna be brave now delivery, but just like kind of flat stoicism, like n- like unfazed kind of kind of stoicism. They were
0: they were going for what you're saying, I think, but I also think that that's where the performance maybe comes in of like yeah. not maybe being on the same wavelength as what the intent was for the character with John. Yeah, it, and-
1: it kind of, it kind of it kind of seemed like he should have been like. Like, this was, like, a 60-year-old version of, Fant- of like, Reed Richards, who's, you know, I don't know, been, like, a superhero for, like, 20 or 30 years or whatever. Uh, with a lot of wisdom. But, like, John Kinski doesn't well, give that vibe.
0: Yeah. Which is He's the problem. He's the leader of the Fantastic Four. Like, he needs to have, you know, give off more authority. He needs to give off, like, a Professor X level of authority. Um, And I did not yeah. get
1: that. I don't know. Can anyone give off a Professor X level of authority, though, Patrick? No, Short. I mean,
0: that's... Yeah. Well... Ian McKellen maybe as Magneto but uh, (laughs) that's what made those movies so good but yeah Yeah. no, uh, you're right that that's probably too high of a bar to expect but anyway yeah I I wasn't very boring casting like you know even aside from his performance here it's like John Krasinski's like he's like the one white actor of a certain age like who hasn't been cast in the MCU yet like firmly fits alongside like the Chris Evans is and you know, the Chris Hemsworths and the Chris Pratt's <laughs> and the other people. Not Does he know? I'm going
1: to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some shade at John Krasinski here, I guess. Like, is he a good actor? I mean, like, he's good in a in a quiet place. But like. I don't know, man, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the other people are probably better actors than he is. But I don't know. Again, I just think of them all in this in a similar level of like prestige white actors.
1: Like, Oh, no, definitely not. Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans are definitely a tier above John Krasinski. I don't
0: agree with that. Qual- again, quality of acting, maybe, but I don't. In terms of like recognition and no, you know, notoriety, and I feel like they're on the same level. Like, it's, do you it's think just Chris Hemsworth me, like, and John
1: Krasinski are the same level of notoriety? Yes. Oh, I really don't think so. I don't think
0: that's true at all. John Krasinski is like on the most popular show ever. Like. He was one of the lead roles in, like, one of the most popular shows ever, like.
1: Yeah, but name recognition. I mean, he's he was a supporting cast member on that show. He was not he was he wasn't Steve Carell in that show.
0: Anyway, it's not it's not casting that gets me excited.
1: Yeah, Um, no, I I mean, that's the thing, like, I feel like we already have actors in the Jack Jack Ryan thing, right? Like he's he's bad in that. That's a bad
0: show, right? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 don't I, I don't know, but like I feel like we already have actors of this ilk, however you want to interpret that, yeah. um, in in the MCU. May, maybe not, you know, again, maybe other people are of the same quality, but maybe that's why I don't like this as, as well, is sure. like, yeah. we got the good version of this already. We got Chris <laughs> Emsworth and whoever else you want to throw in that basket. Now it's like we're getting the discount version of that by getting John Krasinski, whereas you could have had Ben Affleck.
1: <laughs> <Okay. Yeah.
0: laughs> um, otherwise you, you could have had I me mean, Somebody mentioned Rahul Kohli um, There was an African-American actor Who got mentioned And I wish I could remember who it was um, But also that I thought Would have been a good choice What else has that but, person been in? Do you remember? No, I don't I wish no. I could remember But anyway I think there were more exciting choices That could have been made With this character
1: Kelvin Harrison Jr. Human Torch It wasn't
0: It wasn't him no. Sign him up Yeah well, any anyway, um, any other thoughts, Scott, on the Illuminati or on the movie as a whole?
1: Uh, Illuminati. Yeah, I think I've said enough uh, film as a whole. I got OK. I got I got to say my piece about Bruce Campbell. I mean, we got to talk. Yeah, about we got to mention Bruce Campbell because. Right. People, people just don't respect Bruce Campbell enough. That's all I'm going to say. Not a single person in my theater seemed to even acknowledge that Bruce Campbell was Same. in this movie. And for the love of God. Do people not know who Bruce Campbell is? <laughs> like, he is so funny in this movie. He's hilarious.
0: They must not anymore. I, I will say, like, the post-credit scene with him, like, I didn't care about that. I was like, I mean, I it was such a troll to have that as the minutes. last credit yeah, scene in the movie. It really was. Like, <laughs> um, it's over. But I love see. I love seeing him pop up uh, like that. That's the thing to me, like, of course, like he's at the lead in, you know, all the evil dead movies and stuff. But you don't even have to know that. Right. Like if you've watched yeah. all the Spider-Man movies, <clears throat> which you would presume everyone who's going to see MCU movies has.
1: Well, like, everyone over a certain age.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. OK. Yeah. But he's in those movies like and it's it's not like I mean, he's. Sure, they're cameos, but like it's notable. Like you remember Bruce Campbell as the theater drawer man in Spider Man Two. Like, I mean, I yeah, it I, was, it, it's a big meme. I feel like it was weird to me, but but also they didn't react to anything in my theater. Not even Reed Richards or Professor X. Like there was like a little murmur when Professor X came out. I think it's just the Western North Carolina audiences. I think yeah, I, I, you are gonna see on Twitter going. It's viral.
1: so interesting because New York audiences just lose their mind about everything. So I'm a little bummed that I didn't see this in New York. I saw this in in Miami as I was down there last week. Um, Yeah, maybe South Florida audience equally unmoved by things in movies, which in the grand scheme of things, I'd rather that than some of the experiences in New York, to be honest. Um, But I'm I would have been interested to see what the film was like with a New York crowd on like, you know, Friday or Saturday at, you know, this, you know, the, the 67th screening of the day at. AMC Times Square or something like that. Um, <laughs> Sixty-seven of seventy-one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because I mean, I've talked about my sort of rowdy theater experiences over the last, you know, year. So it's been it's been interesting. I, I look in, in my theater, in my screen that I can't talk about. There was there was a little bit of a reaction for for Reed Richards. There was an, there was a reaction for Professor X. There was also a reaction for Wanda. <laughs> When she's like doing the line from the trailer or whatever, when she's like, that doesn't seem fair if I break, and I'm, and the, someone's like cheering over on my left. I'm like, she's literally talking about like committing genocide or something over <laughs> here. And they're like cheering.
0: Like that person probably also cheered during the Ikea joke and Eternals. Just they well, just they Yeah, cheered but no, I think I,
1: it's just people thinking that that's like like vibing with that line be like, that's not fair. I'm like, she's talking about mind controlling people and killing people
0: it's the same logic of like people who you'll see these posts on twitter like here's the good for her canon of movies or whatever and it's like gone girl midsommar like movies where you are not supposed to feel like the woman at the end is like in the right necessarily like yeah like it just people just misreading movies i feel like this that what you're saying goes along with that exact same camp of like yes you go girl without actually thinking about the content of what she's actually saying
1: yeah the difference is this this you know the end of this movie ends differently than those other films that we're talking about yes but uh (laughs) but no i think you're absolutely right about that though gone Girl's most
0: insane. gone girl's the most insane example of me of like how you how you could watch that movie and feel like yes I love yes, her. Queen. She she is yes, a queen. queen. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Um. Anyway, Scott. Uh. Let's let's wrap it up. Fa- uh, yeah. Favorite scene or moment from Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I did love the Bruce Campbell uh, of it all in, in the actual movie. That's definitely up there for favorite scenes. I mean, I'm in this theater. It's not full. There's like ten to fifteen people in the theater probably. It's a one p.m. in the middle of the afternoon. An F1 weekend in Miami. So you know. It wasn't exactly overflowing in the theater, but uh, I was the only person laughing and it it really reminded me of my time watching Grand Budapest Hotel in the theater. That was a full theater, I will say, where I laughed at the scene where Willem Defoe throws a cat out a window um, and I was the only person laughing hysterically. Uh, and that was that was easily one of the most awkward moments I've ever had in the theater. Uh, it wasn't quite that level, but because the theater wasn't full, but I thought that was hilarious. No one else did in the theater, but I thought it was funny. So that's definitely West, up there for me in, in, in top moments.
0: Wes Anderson's humor is definitely like a you either you're either going to get it or you're not. Like Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true.
1: If I were to go another scene I want to shout out is one that we mentioned earlier. I think the third act of this movie is hilarious. Like the strange scene on the mountain, like overlooking where the temple is before he goes up there. And he's got like he's like he's like corralling the like like ghosts or ghouls or whatever you want to call them into like
0: wings for him. Yeah. Oh
1: my Lord. That's incredible. They become his cape
0: basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's awesome. That's so great. And he like goes up, uh, what, what is it? He's like flying over or whatever. And like the guards are like starting to like mount a defense and then Wong just like throat cuts one of them (laughs) with his whip or whatever. I was like, man, this
0: movie's wild and let's go. Um, the scene that I want to shout out is one we haven't talked about. There's a great foot chase that happens like underground. Like, again, this is Sam Raimi stuff. Like, you're in like this underground lab type thing which is totally, again, like, that's Dark Man. That's like a bunch of Sam Raimi stuff. And there's like a good again, the foot chase is underrated in general. But also in an MCU movie you don't expect to see it because like everybody can fly and do all of this, you know, supernatural stuff. But you know he's having fun with the camera again. He's doing like some Dutch angley stuffs So they're like running diagonal. Like yeah. when there's a moment where they like close a door and they're yeah. like they stand yeah. there and just wait basically because they don't know if Wanda's going to open it. And he's like whipping the camera back and forth like across their faces, like all in one take, like from America to Strange to Christine. And it's, it's fun. Like just yeah. little touch, yeah, little touches like that are just they're fun. So. um good job Sam uh let's put a score on it Scott what do you give this movie uh 8.0 I enjoyed it a lot you took the words right out of my mouth 8.0 uh this is a, a lot of fun and um I'm not gonna say that I'm you know the, I'm, I'm back in on the MCU but like <laughs> I my, my my hate is temporarily yeah. cooled uh, and all I'm gonna like I don't is actually, temporarily cooled.
1: yeah and I don't actually know how you're gonna react to Taika because you haven't seen ragnarok and you know love and thunder i'll is the watch next it one.
0: i'll i'll watch it before love and thunder like just we can like watch it, it
1: we can watch it this week scott let's pop let's pop on material for thursday night do we really want to spend well, it's pop we'll, on material. we'll discuss it's pop yeah, we'll on discuss. material yeah yeah we'll discuss um no i yeah so i think i think that we could get two in a row for you i i think that you might be down for for what Tyke is dealing and in, in the thor
0: movies but we'll see yeah All right, well, that will do it for our review of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we have a couple of news items for you, including uh, some big news in another huge franchise that we've already mentioned um, in this episode, as well as the long-awaited return of uh, one of the most acclaimed directors of all time. We have an update on that, uh, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this episode of Some Like It Scott. A couple of news items to hit here, Scott, before we finish up the episode. Uh, and I know that you are just dying to talk about uh, this change of director in, you know, op- easily the greatest franchise running today. I think we're both agreed on that. I can't imagine anyone wouldn't be agreed on that. But tell us about what the latest is uh, in the world of the family.
1: Yeah, I mean, did we talk about Brie Larson joining the family a couple weeks? Ago? I can't remember if we actually talked think about it we the did, podcast yeah. or not. Did we? man did we really i damn wow um but yeah so filming started on fast 10 a few weeks back i think like towards the end you know middle middle to end of april and uh it only took about 10 days for justin lynn to have enough i mean the the guy who is like basically synonymous in terms of directing with the i know he's not the only director in the fast movies of the last few. you know over the last you know half dozen entries or whatever but he, he does feel like the sort of shepherd of the franchise into the promised land, so to speak, if there is such a thing for Fast and Furious. And apparently family isn't 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 always isn't always family or or I guess, Scott, this is appropriate. You know, you can't always get along with all your family members. And it seems like he had a pretty big disagreement with uh, the patriarch.
0: Vin Knife, knives out happened in, uh, in the yeah. world of Fast and Furious. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, he had a disagreement with the patriarch. That is Vin Diesel. And uh, he said, enough's enough. And he walked out. Uh, I mean, I don't think he I don't think he literally walked out, but he did. uh, After speaking with Universal, uh, come to an agreement to depart and, you know, sound the alarm. Uh, They somehow got in Louis Leterrier, very notable, famous and in-demand director Louis Leterrier to to replace him on short notice. I mean, I'm making jokes probably a little bit unfair unfair to him but you know there's not that many directors who are available at a at a moment's notice for a movie like Fast 10 which you essentially just need to come in and sit in a director's chair and do what Vin Diesel tells you really you're an actor in the whole production as well because um, it does seem like Vin does what he wants in the franchise and you know that's been pretty successful for the franchise to be fair in terms of commercial success but uh the, probably not a good sign for the quality of a Fast X which I believe is the stylization of uh, this upcoming outing. To be fair, I didn't like F9 very much slash at all. It was one of the worst movies I saw last year, and that was directed yep. by Justin Lin. So not like it's going to get much worse for me than that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if it gets worse. Yes, Scott was I air mean, quoting directed by Justin Lin. I, yeah, yeah, fair.
0: I mean, Lewis Leterrier is exactly who the type of director you would have expected them to bring in after Justin Lin. Sure. I mean, there's, like, like, no
1: one available. He's certain. a hired yeah. gun.
0: Like, yeah. that's... If you look at his credits, like, that's that's what he is. Like, you know, Incredible Hulk and whatnot. He's, he is a hired gun. Dexter uh, Fletcher would have been the only other one I would have expected to, <laughs> to come in to
1: finish the film.
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I mean, honestly, though, you say that, but, like, that's the only place for them to naturally go like with this franchise is to do a musical. Like to do a
1: musical. To go full psych I mean, and have their like stand
0: like second. Tom piece. Hooper. Yeah. Tom Hooper directing. Oh, uh Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> that would be something. But no. Um yeah, Scott, I mean, I frankly don't really care. I'm I'm completely out on this franchise, as you can tell if you listen to our F nine episode. Um, so sure, fine. But like it... it I understand, like, maybe in the overall grand scheme of things, like, Justin Lin to Lewis Leterrier is a a drop in quality. Like, Justin Lin has probably made better movies.
1: It is for franchise stability, too.
0: Yeah. But, like you know, like you said, he turned out a bad one. I, I don't think anyone is under any auspices about who's actually directing, you know, who's actually responsible for these movies anymore. So it doesn't really matter what name, I mean, if they had gotten James Wan back now, maybe then maybe. Well, mine. so
1: that's what I was thinking. Like I, so I, my understanding just based James on the articles. James Wan doesn't need to do that
0: anymore though. Like,
1: well that, and he, I don't think he literally can because he's in, he's doing two movies right now. He's doing Aquaman yeah. and the Lost Kingdom or whatever that movie's called. That's true. And, yeah, And I think he has another project ongoing at the same time. So I think that they went to him first, but I just think that it was like literally, literally impossible for James Wan to to fit it in his schedule. I'm sure they'd love him to come back. I mean, which one he, he did? He did six. Which one did he
0: do? Yes. No. Yes. Six. No, he did Furious seven. Did he
1: did the one he did. The he one did with Paul Walker. Okay. Yeah, he the did one. one that, that
0: was like my favorite one. Probably. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he did. Yeah. Furious. Seven. I mean, between that and Fast Five, I mean, those are the two best movies in the franchise. And, you know, Justin Lin directed one of them. James Wan directed the other. Lynn leaving. I'm sure they would have loved Juan directing. I think they I think they went to him first. But yeah, I mean, his schedule is crazy right now with Aquan and the Lost Kingdom. And I I don't know. Is he he's probably producing some next the next saw movie
0: or who even knows what? Yeah, um, yeah I mean, there's, you know, eight eight thousand conjuring offshoots as well, like which are yeah. still being released. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: I don't know. Could they have gone to Lee Whannell? Maybe I don't know. Can you make can you make it like a horror... <laughs> I'm just thinking one of James Wan's cronies or whatever. like Lee Whannell. I don't know. He could have done it maybe. Who knows?
0: I don't know. I mean, James Wan has actually flexed his muscles outside of horror. I'm not sure that. Well, Lee L did have, uh, what's that movie? Upgrade. Upgrade, yeah. yeah. Which was more of an action movie. So that's fair. But yep. I don't know. Again, I don't think it really matters to me at this point. Like, who's, who's directing these movies? Like, I know. And I I'm didn't gonna...
1: even, I had completely forgotten that Lewis the Terrier had directed a Marvel movie before. Just in yeah. my mind.
0: An MCU movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I meant. But yes, that's
1: a fair shout to clarify. Yeah. There were there were Marvel movies before the MCU.
0: There were some of them were quite good. Most of them, yeah, some of them I mean, are. Mo- still most people favorite. don't want, haven't watched them because they
1: don't know Bruce Campbell. <laughs> but,
0: yeah, well, they did know Professor X to some degree, so they did at least watch the Switch. well, so, I mean that but, that I mean Professor X was in a movie that's true. He, in this 2017. He, so he's tra- yeah he's transcended because he was in other movies since then. Yep.
1: Anyway, uh, Fast X seems like a total disaster. Brie Larson is like taking like taking her car and driving off a cliff, I think, with her career. I'm not hundred percent sure what she's doing um anymore. It's I rough. yeah, it seems like a really tough one uh, for an actress who of like the first three or four movies she made, she made she had like two incredible films um to be in well, this position yeah. now.
0: Oof. Room I'm not that actually that big of a fan of, but yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, sure, but like, but, uh, critical consensus. She won an Oscar. She was. She yeah, yeah, Oscar. yeah, yeah, she won an Crazy. Oscar for it. I think we can all say that it was well received at the very least. Also, Louis Leterrier directed episodes of Lupin. I did not know that. I watched that show last year. <laughs> Why is he directing a French, a French TV show? He's probably what French. He? Yeah, he probably. Okay, then it's probably Leterrier. <laughs> I guess to be fair. Oh no, he directed the first three episodes. Crazy. That was awesome. Those are like the best three episodes of the show. I'm back in. It's going to be great. Hive,
0: Leterrier hive over here. Yeah. yeah. Moving on, Scott, um, to some other news. A director who perhaps is slightly more acclaimed than uh, Louis Leterrier, um, Francis Ford Coppola. Um, <laughs> he's still a guy. Uh, just in case you anyone sure? had, didn't realize, are you sure that. he's still a guy? He's still a dude. He's yeah. still cooking. Um, has not made has not made a film in about twelve years, I believe. Has not made a significant film in 25 years probably. Um, The the last one, the last significant movie he made is probably The Rainmaker, that John Grisham adaptation in the late nineties. But there have been murmurs for many years now of him trying to make a big comeback. Obviously he still sort of remained in the discourse like he's had some things to say about like Marvel movies and the future of cinema. Some things that were actually quite harsher than what Martin Scorsese said, but yeah. you, you know, people weirdly latched onto that for some reason. But Scott, you've done him a disservice.
1: Oh. He did Godfather 3 Code of the Death of Michael Corleone just a couple years ago. He re-edited.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Um but that doesn't count for obvious reasons. But yeah. anyway, it's happening, Scott. He is making a new movie. It is in production. Okay. Um it is going to be filming over the course of like six or seven months. Like it's Jeez. it's a it is going to be a big epic. He's gonna epic die filming this thing. He probably will Called Megalopolis. And we also know the cast for this movie, uh featuring Forrest Whitaker, Kate Blanchett, John Voigt, Zendaya, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jessica Lang, and James Kahn. Um, uh, Zendaya's agents have, I think, come out and said, "No, she's actually not in this movie." Or I think I saw something about that. So I don't know. That would put a question mark around that. Um, but everyone else, it seems like, is is confirmed. Of course, including, you know, James Kahn, who doesn't really do all that much anymore either. But you know, obviously, was coaxed out of semi-retirement by um, his guy Coppola, who, um, you know, he made the first Godfather film. With at least, um, but yeah, so Scott, this movie is going to be huge. Um, that we do have a little bit of a plot synopsis as well. A New York mayor is at odds with a real estate tycoon who plans to use an innovative low cost plastic to build a utopia called Megalopolis. Um, is it set in the future? 120 mi- um, I'm not sure, I don't see anything about that. Also, uh, the
1: crazy thing is, I don't even think James Conn was in retirement. That's the crazy thing.
0: He just doesn't do really do anything major anymore. But yeah, that's um, true.
1: That's definitely true.
0: <laughs> anyway, Coppola is putting 120 $20 million dollars of his own money into this movie. So um, he, he has he 120 sold a lot million of dollars. He sold a lot of wine. What can I say? But um, surely
1: he's just getting so, investors,
0: right? Is, is it actually his money? How does he have that much money? It's his money. No, it's his money. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, okay. This is this is you would expect this is going to be a swan song, right? Like he's going to he's going to make one more big movie for the road. Um, maybe just to prove that he can still do it to the, you know, modern Did you say Adam
1: Driver as well?
0: World, I just don't remember. I don't know that I did say that, but... He's supposed um, to be the lead of in the movie. In. Of course he's in it. Like, of course, you know, of course Adam Driver's in it. This just, like, seems like exactly the type of Adam Driver. I mean,
1: he is. wants to reconnect with Al Pacino. I'm sure Al Pacino's going to be in this movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first connection was so electric. The movie <laughs> that we're all still talking about. That uh, I mean, I you know sent you sent
1: me a video today that involved House of Gucci. I, I did, it. yeah, that is true.
0: <laughs> but hey, I liked the movie. I, I don't know, I I I, I didn't it. dislike but it anyway. Um, yeah, Scott, this is going to be huge. Um, you know, I, I guess this would probably, I wouldn't expect it. Maybe late 2023 or sometime in 2024. This film
1: hasn't started shooting yet. You think it's going to come out and it's going to shoot for six or seven months? You think it's going to come out in 2023?
0: Well, it's supposed to be done in February of 2023. So conceivably, I guess, it could come out in late 2023. But who knows if it'll shoot on schedule. Again, there's still a lot of ifs. It hasn't started shooting, but... Anyway, that's the earliest we can probably expect to see this film is late 2023. You'd expect it to be like an Oscar contender of some sort. But, Scott, are you excited for this? Do you think that Coppola still has anything left? I mean, again, he hasn't made a significant film in 25 years. The Rainmaker is a movie I quite enjoy. I don't know that a lot of other people would say it's significant. Before that, he made Jack, which most people say is his worst movie that he's ever made with Robin Williams. So, I don't know. It's been a minute probably since... You know, he's he's been the yeah. guy, but obviously, you know, he has some he of the greatest he's ever made to his credit. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I I I'm pretty sure I've been pretty vocal on this podcast on other episodes about I love the Godfather. I love the Godfather part two. I think the Godfather Part Three is I, I think it's like a little bit too maligned personally. Like, like it's not it's not up to par, but it's not a bad movie. Um I and I love Apocalypse Now. I I watched the conversation. For the first time, earlier this year, great film. I mean, he was really he was really pulling aces um, in the '70s, yeah. and I, you know, I'm not as familiar with his more recent filmography. I mean, I mean, who is? I guess if you've watched any of his movies in the last ten years, he has been making a couple of them. I'm pretty sure, but just no one. Yeah, no, really, he has made movies, relevant.
0: But like yeah. they seem like fake movies, honestly. Like they do not <laughs> <see> <laughs> I mean, they might
1: be. No one's <laughs> seen them, so uh, so I guess. I don't want to say that I don't care, but I just I have a lot of skepticism about it, and maybe I, I guess maybe I'm taking this approach that that we've taken on the movies before. I'm not sure this movie is real until it actually comes out. I'm not sure. That, I'm not 100 sure this movie is real.
0: The fact that Zendaya's people are coming out and be like, no, 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 she's not in this. I feel like that's kind of a red flag, like a mild red flag, maybe. But yeah, maybe
1: I don't know. Like, the, like this feels like. This is like, I feel like this is like the prestige version of like Uncharted, right? Like this movie has been rumored to be in production forever, right? Like in pre-production, like getting prepared. And it, it hasn't changed directors, obviously. But it's like, oh, I was like, oh, like he still wants to make this movie. Oh, he still wants to make this movie. He still wants to make this movie. It's going to shoot later this year now. Like I promise <laughs> it might be out by the end of 2023. Um, maybe it's not quite that that grim. But uh, I I guess I just don't know. I don't have high expectations for it, even though he is you know, the filmmaker behind, you know, some of the best movies of all time.
0: Here's what I will say, Scott. If this movie gets made and if this movie gets released, I will watch it. That is what I'm going to say about I'll, Megalopolis. Cheers. I'll drink to that. <laughs> cheers to watching Francis Ford Coppola's next movie, um, yep. which I hope comes out. But you know what? Even if it doesn't, there's still a lot of great films that are out there and that will be coming sure. out. So. We're in it we're in Peak TV
1: Scott. If you can't find movies to watch, you, surely you can find a TV show to watch.
0: Look, I have been watching TV this year. Like I'm I'm, I know. I'm actually doing it. I'm actually doing it. It feels good. I've watched Hell, some yeah. great stuff so far. So, I'm Hey man, I got I got lists being,
1: for you. Into
0: oh, don't worry. I have a quite a watch list still on Serialized right now, so. Is Barry near the top of it? Uh, That'll do it for this episode of something like it, Scott. Uh, Scott, where can our listeners find you on social media? At shelton 2013 And I am at Scarvy Dent. Hey, check me out on Serialized at Scarvy Dent. I just uh, watched Mayor of East Town and digging into uh, Under the Banner of Heaven now. So, um,
1: conversations with with friends
0: later this month? Yeah. I uh, saw some Joe Elwin interviews going around today that uh, of course people asking him just very stupid questions all about his relationship with Taylor and nothing about him, but I guess that's just to be expected at this
1: point. I mean, he is not a person besides being Taylor's Swift's
0: boyfriend, I'm pretty I sure. mean, yeah, of course, yeah. it doesn't exist, but um there's nothing to ask. But yeah, about. looking looking forward to that one. The staircase just came out on HBO Max as well, which I'm hearing good is things about it.
1: Is that on your list?
0: Yeah, it's on the list because, I mean, I love the documentary. Like, I think the documentary is one of my favorite things. Like, in terms of, like, a look at the legal process, you will not find, like, a better documentary for, like, that gives you such an intimate look at, like, how an actual criminal trial process works. Like, it is enthralling to watch. So I'm a bit skeptical of, like, can they bring anything new or interesting to the, you know, fictionalized version of it? Mm -hmm. but i don't know maybe i see it maybe it's like a people versus oj type thing right where like right the obviously the oj made in america was amazing the documentary but then you also had the ryan murphy series which was amazing in its own right too so um maybe they can capture that magic with the staircase again it seems like people should uh you know should enjoy it or are enjoying it so far so yeah and the casting like Colin Firth is is like, it, if, you, if you're going by physical similarity, at least, which I'm much more skeptical of nowadays, but Colin Firth was a great choice to play Michael Peterson, the main guy. So um, anyway, that's sidetracking to say that watching TV shows, check out some TV shows, check out Station Eleven if you haven't watched it. Um, that'll do it for this episode of Some Like It, Scott. Um, we hope that you have enjoyed listening to this episode. If you have and you'd like to support us, don't forget about our Patreon, but page at patreon.com slash Uh we have a lot of tiers over there where you can support us but even if you can't support us we hope that you will rate, review, subscribe, like do all of the things that you do on your preferred podcast app and we hope that you will be back for our next episode of the podcast on which we will be reviewing a holdover from 2021 that's finally releasing uh, in at least a limited release yeah. um, across the nation, Celine Siamas, Petite Maman Uh, But until then, for Scott Shelton, I'm Scott Harvey. We'll see you down the road.